0: What's up everyone? Welcome to this edition of Higher University. I'm John Beck, your host for today. We welcome Pankaj Jindal, co-founder of Sense to the show. If you don't know Sense, we're gonna share a little bit more about the services they provide, but they are the first engagement and retention platform that provides automated high touch, personalized candidate experience, which reduces turnover, increases redeployment of candidates and dramatically improves job satisfaction. Full disclosure to our listeners, Ursus has been a happy user of Sense for almost three years now. And I can personally attest that the statements I just recited are absolutely true and we'll share more specific use cases shortly. By way of introductions, Ponkash is a 20-plus-year veteran in the staffing industry. Before his founding of Sense, he was the CEO of staffing firm Acraya, and prior to that was the president of Adidi Staffing. Welcome to Hiring University.
1: John, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And good morning, good afternoon to everyone who's listening.
0: Pankaj, since claims, and I believe they were the first and still the leader in, in the engagement and platform space, what was the pain point for you as a staffing veteran to start the to start the company? And what specific problem or problems did you set out to solve?
1: That's a great question. And uh, actually, I really like how you put it because my entire experience in the staffing industry is what led me to what Sense is today. As you noted, I ran two staffing companies prior to starting Sense. And both of those companies, uh, every single year would win awards like Best Staffing Company to Work For, Best Staffing Company to Temp For, Most Engaged Company in the US. But a lot of that was done with using a high amount of personnel. It was a very expensive process. And at the same time, there were only a very few companies, a handful of companies in in the nation who were doing that. What we wanted to do was essentially build a software that would make this, first of all, affordable for any staffing company. And as a SaaS platform, it will work for a company that has 50 contractors and it will work for a company that has 50,000 contractors. But at the same time, send out personalized communication, even though it is automated. Now, the biggest challenge that we were trying to solve, as you asked, was staffing suffers from what I call a leaky bucket syndrome. People accept an offer, but but a, a slightly lower percentage of that will actually join that company. Once they join an assignment, some of those folks will actually drop off before they finish the assignment. Once they finish the assignment, a very small percentage of those will stay back and do a subsequent assignment with you, or in other words, they will get redeployed. So the primary use case that we started with was, how can we make these metrics better for every single staffing company? But obviously, since then, we've come a long way, and we do a variety of different things now that I hopefully will be able to cover with you over the next few minutes.
0: You hit on one of the primary objection points that you, I imagine, hear from your prospective customers, and I'm sure we recited something similar in our sales cycle, which is automation is interesting, but this is basically the same thing that my team does, setting up calendar reminders and doing personal outreach on the phone and setting up meetings to take them to coffee, and it takes away the personal touch elements. How do you respond to that?
1: Yeah, I am very sensitive to that. Sense is not built to replace a recruiter or replace your personal touch. In very simply, Sense is built to essentially help you manage relationships at scale. I think staffing CEOs and executives will agree with me that they probably can't give the same attention to 100,000 candidates that they can give to 30 contractors. But with Sense, those 100,000 contractors are going to feel exactly the same as your 30 contractors. You can wish them happy birthdays. You can wish them happy holidays. You can send them newsletters exactly pertaining to their expertise. You can slice and dice by what skill set they are in. You can slice and dice by what geography they are in. You can slice and dice by what kind of uh, authors these people want to track, so on and so forth, first of all. secondly, candidates and your customers, both for that matter today, expect a completely personal experience. They expect you to meet them where they live, uh, which means you need to have a strategy that is is omni-channel. Some people want you to communicate with them over email, over text message, over a survey, over a touch point, so on and so forth. And with Sense, you can immediately store those preferences and make sure that's exactly how they're communicated. And then thirdly, it's, it is 100% consistent. What happens when one of your recruiter leaves today, and you probably have churn in your company all the time or any company, a recruiter leaves today, they had been providing a certain level of engagement with 200 of your candidates. How is the next person going to do that? Super easy to do that with technology to make sure everybody gets the same white glove treatment And by the way, you can sprinkle in your personal touches right between these, so to speak, automated cadences. You can literally have a reminder for yourself to say, this person has now gotten three automatic messages. The fourth one is your turn to pick up the phone and call them. You're welcome to do that.
0: It's interesting. Every study that you read about talent acquisition efforts, 75% of respondents, and I had looked at a bunch of them before you and I set this call up, say that they rely heavily on data to track the contractor or employee life cycle, to identify and de- debug pipeline issues throughout, even before the person gets the job. Of those who said they don't rely on data, the responses range from I wish I had the data or the data is too much, or I wish it was easier to consume. You hit on a bunch of different milestones along that contractor or employee experience that relate to touch points, or even within the tools you call journeys, expand on a little bit about what that journey, because when you talk leaky bucket, by the way, is a term that I love, there's risk in leaks from the day that you first make contact with that potential employee all the way through the end of their term and beyond. Right. Can you expand on the value of that omni-channel and that journey experience on the way that, again, even with the best, most diligent calendar invites or process gets lost?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. This is one of my favorite topics to actually expand on. I'm going to take you through three different trains of thought here. Here is the first train of thought. Let me actually walk you through what a journey looks like. I won't take you through all 20 steps of it, but hopefully I'll make a quick point with just taking you through two touch points. So let's say somebody in your company, a contractor accepted an offer today, and they're going to start a contract position three weeks from now. All right. You maybe send them an automatic message today using Sense, hopefully, that says, hey, welcome to our family. Or here is a video message from your CEO saying, here is our mission and our value system. You really want these people to become part of your company. All right. A week later, you send a second message saying, by the way, your contract is starting at ABC Company. Here is some more information about ABC Company. Great. A week later, you might say, hey, you're only three days away from starting your assignment. This is where you need to show up. This is the time, this is the building address, maybe even an actual photograph of the building, and this is the dress code. Now, imagine the number of things that happen here. First of all, you're actually interacting with this person three or four times after they've accepted an offer, but before they've started. What's going to happen? They're either going to engage with you, in which case life is good, or they're going to not. And if they don't engage with you, they don't open the message, they don't read the message, they don't respond to the message, we will immediately alert you and say this person has not responded to three consecutive messages. What we would recommend at that point is pick up the phone and call this individual. 80% 80 of our customers will tell us that when they pick up the phone and call these people, they've either already found another job or they've decided to wait for the outcome of another interview that they think will pay them a little bit more. You were about to get a no-show, but you've just figured this out. And now look what happens. This is the only time in the entire candidate life cycle that the hiring manager is vulnerable. They're now expecting Joe to show up on Monday and start doing some work. They've probably gotten an office for him. They've gotten a laptop, an email. They've actually gotten some project work scheduled for this person. And Joe is not showing up. This is your opportunity to talk to the manager and say, are bad, but we absolutely want to be awesome about this. Here is the second best person, what we call a silver medalist. You had talked to this person during the interview process. You loved this person, but you had just chosen Joe over a whisker. Let's get this person back in, and you can immediately get a placement. It essentially decreases your offer to start drop rate or drop off rates, as we call it in the industry. I can't tell you the number of customers who now reduce these drop off rates from 20% to 10% 8% that's 8 to 12 more percent of profit and revenue directly for your company so that's my first train of thought on these the idea behind these automated journeys is to actually find out if is to actually have a complete pulse on your people and find out if they're doing well or if there is a problem that you need to come and unblock them on The second thing that John talked about, which is very close to my heart, is the quality of data and the availability of data itself. One of the things you would be interested to know is nearly all of our customers now take the data from Sense and take it to their customers. They will literally go to their customer and say, hey, we're not just talking the talk. We're not just providing lip service here when it comes to taking care of our people. We've actually invested in a technology. We are walking the walk. We're putting our money where our mouth is. And believe it or not, customers look at something like this and say, you're engaged with your people. I love that. Guess what? You're going to be my vendor for two more years or three more years. People are winning RFPs because they're able to demonstrate that they take care of their people. So that's the second thing. And then thirdly, this goes through the entire life cycle. For those of you who run staffing companies, you probably have stories to tell about, hey, here is this guy who did 10 assignments through this our company. Here is this gal who did seven assignments through our company. How do you bring them back? You bring them back through constant nurturing. Even if you have a good process while people are working for you, the moment they leave your company, you probably do not have a good process the idea that you can now engage with hundreds of people automatically, nurture them, send them marketing messages, send them happy hour invites, send them webinar invites, so they keep you at the back of their mind. And six months later, or six years later, if they're looking for a job, they can come back to your company. To me, this all works together as an entire life cycle and the central nervous system of this, like John, you pointed out, is data.
0: Second bullet point that you had about Contractor and candidate care and control, being getting ahead of the curve and saying, hey, we know this is going to happen. And here's the silver medalist candidate is an absolute confidence builder with your existing clients. I can also tell you we've won business. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've shared this with you because we have a tool like Sense in play, because it is now received the reputation and these are reputable MSPs. The third example I'll give you is we've actually defended and corrected scorecards based on our sense data at times. So it is another system of checks and balances to keep you and your clients honest, where in some cases, scorecards are even available. And if you can proactively come forward with the data, it it is a huge confidence
1: builder and shows that you're paying attention. Pankaj, you've touched on it. can Can I say one quick thing? First of all, you absolutely made my day when you said that. And secondly, I'll give you a personal example. When I was running Aditi, we would sometimes go into a scorecard meeting with an MSP where they'll tell us, hey, your average satisfaction score with our hiring managers was 3.1. And so we need to counsel you out of this program. And we would go, how many hiring managers responded to that survey? And they would be like four out of 300. I'm like the four people who were mad at us gave us that rating. Now with Sense, we could be, here is our information from 280 out of those 300 people who responded. And our average score is 4.5. So I couldn't agree more with you.
2: Yeah. No, it's it, having data. Data is everything. And having in your pocket is, without question, a, a valuable tool. Pankaj, in terms of dollars, you've, you've mentioned a couple of examples. And I want to recite a couple stats to you and then give you a chance to comment. 50% of the U.S. workforce today is now engaged in some form of contingent work which includes, which we're now referring to as gig economy jobs, that's 7% of our country's GDP. 15% of contingent workers drop off between getting an offer and their start date. You referenced that. But even more staggering, I was shocked to see this number as big as it was, 70% of those workers never get redeployed. So all the work and effort you've done as a recruiting firm to find and place that candidate at the end of the term, you're starting from scratch effectively. Due to lack of engagement, translate if you can with, by example, or otherwise into the dollars associated with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. From a statistic that I read recently, the average cost per hire for a staffing company in the US is $3,000. And it's about $1,500 if you are in commercial and light industrial space. You're going to spend $3,000 between your recruiter time, your job board spend, incentives, commission, HR time, whatever it is, to hire somebody. Now, if you hire that person and they do only one three-month assignment with you, you need to amortize those $3,000 over three months. But if they finish that assignment and did another one with you, guess what's your subsequent cost per hire? Nothing. Maybe you incent your recruiters again to place them on a second position as you should. And that's the only cost per hire. Everything else you already paid for. So if somebody can do two assignments with you, your cost per hire goes down in half. If they can do three, it goes down by a third. Now, for companies, and actually, I'll include the ones that I ran in the past, but nearly all staffing companies have low margins. When you think about the staffing industry in itself, this is, a, this is one single thing that can actually have an impact on your bottom line. And while I'm talking about this, I'll talk about another thing that comes that comes from top of the funnel. Some of our customers now report that 50% of the placements that they make every single year actually are made from people who already existed in their applicant tracking system. They were already sitting there, yet these companies have never been able to reduce their spend on job boards. Because job boards to them is just this, this check that you're writing year after year that basically costs the same exact money while you build a million people strong database because recruiters just don't go to the applicant tracking system first. And it's not recruiters fault. They don't go there because they feel like it'll have outdated information. It'll have incomplete information. I probably won't have an updated resume. Let me just go to Monster. Or let me just go to Career Builder or Indeed or whatever the case might be. Again, if you use an engagement platform like Sense, the biggest thing we do, we have this feature called Autopilot where your database health stays current just in the background without you doing anything. Anytime somebody becomes more than six months old, the system automatically reaches out to that candidate and says, do you have an updated email or mobile or resume or whatever the case might be?
2: Or, a referral. Have- or a referral. Or a referral. referral. Yes.
1: Or a referral, the biggest source of hire even today for staffing companies. Or do you uh, have updated availability? When will you like to find a new job? If all of that was updated in your ATS, imagine happening. Imagine all of that happening automatically and next year, your job board spend being 25% less or 50% less of what it was today. John hit on something that is really close to my heart, which is every single thing that we do at Sense, we translate that to ROI and bottom line dollars. We never sell our product by saying, we will improve your recruiter productivity, even though we will. We sell our product by saying, this is what we will reduce your attrition by. This is what we'll reduce your drop-off by. This is what we will increase your redeployment by. And this is what that means to you in hard dollars.
0: With all due respect to my partners and our friends at the various job boards out there, That's not necessary. They're not necessarily talking about ROI. So I I appreciate the comment. Pankaj, let's shift gears as we do in every episode and ask you a few questions about you and about your career path. The first one I wanna know is you're now in technology. You're a software as a service company, cloud software company in the human capital management space, which by the way, is a term that I hate. I I think it's the most impersonal term for people, but I'll digress. What's around the corner that is exciting to you and what needs to happen in terms of technology solving some of the inconsistencies or the lack of evolution in our industry, which to be honest, in the last few decades really hasn't changed much. What's, what gets you excited or what do you think is around the corner?
1: Yeah, yeah. You, you know. So if I reflect back on this, John, I've always thought about this as two or three macro trends, right? The first macro trend I think about is, and I think hopefully most of you would agree with me. I think there has, more, there has been more technology advancement in the staffing industry in the last five years than in the 20 years before that. The whole time I was running staffing companies, nothing really changed. But now we have, we have all these tools for every specialized thing that you want to do. And they're really world class. But the the thing that I think is becoming more and more apparent is there is a need for all of these tools to become consolidated. I'll tell you what I mean by that. The only important decision a staffing company has ever made in the past is choosing an applicant tracking system. What's your system of record? Once you've chosen an applicant tracking system... Anything that you need on top of that, a background check service, a resume parsing service, a text messaging service, you are simply going to buy one that integrates with your applicant tracking system, even if it is the absolute worst one. Mm -hmm. So your central nervous system is your system of record. I think where the world is moving to now is people are realizing that they need to consolidate all these tiny point solutions into what we now call either an engagement platform or a system of engagement. You buy a system of record and then the only other important decision you need to make is pick a system of engagement that sits on top of that and bi-directionally talks to your system of record. And here's why I say that. Uh, Disclaimer, I certainly don't claim uh, to have every single feature that a dozen of these softwares have. But today, if you had sense, you could do... Let's count the number of things. You can do email blasts that companies use a separate tool for. You can do you can uh, do surveys that you use a separate tool for. You can do event management and event RSVPs. You can do two-way text messaging. You can do landing pages. You can do marketing automation. You can do chatbot. You can do net promoter scores. Everything that I'm talking about in your mind is probably a separate tool guess what it all resides within a system of engagement so that's one macro trend to me the second macro trend is ai it's very much here to stay i i remember reading this somewhere that most people who are afraid of ai think of this think of man versus the machine what we need to start thinking about is man and machine versus the problem The AI is simply helping you solve a problem. We have customers today that use the recruiting chatbot that Sense has. Imagine getting 700 applicants for a simple Java developer position and AI being able to tell you 95% of these people you don't need to talk to, you don't need to look at, here are the 20 people you need to reach out to. So that you can call it AI, you can call it a robotic process automation, you can call it conversational recruiting, but that to me is another macro trend.
2: I think AI is is interesting, but has done the the market has done a disservice to educating the buyer, where in a lot of cases AI solutions are positioned as a panacea to solve or replace. To your point, the human innovation element, especially within staffing, right? Yep. That's yep. not accurate. That will never be the case because at the end of the day, humans are going to buy from humans and decide which other humans they want to work with and vice versa, who they want to work for. I do think there's a ton of value in AI as part of that whole life cycle and automating a lot of the tasks that are very inefficient for humans to do. Yep. And it's, it's, the
0: challenge is marrying the two so they're complementary to each other. and There's a smooth handoff and transition. Because I'll, be, I'll admit, I'm one, and I'm a technologist at heart, where a lot of the way, and I looked at a couple of AI tools and continue to evaluate them, and a lot of them are saying, yep, we're going to reduce the need for headcount and recruiters and that sort of thing. And like, that's maybe for some job functions. If I'm looking for a busboy to fill a shift, that might be the case. But I'm, I'm looking for a software developer or manager or director or VP that's going to have technical capabilities and management capabilities, and you know, that's a different... That's a different formula. I appreciate the comment versus man versus machine. And I think we're still in very early days. The fact right. that chatbot is described as AI tells you just that.
1: Absolutely. 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 To me, to me, you essentially have to keep in mind that all you're essentially wanting to do is give your recruiters the ability to have more human contact, have them talk to more customers and have them talk to more candidates. That's the real value of a recruiter. Their value is not adding data into an ATS prospecting, using a list of people, all of these things can be automated and you should automate them or somebody else will beat you to the punch because the place where you will have the maximum impact is, can you increase air time for your recruiters with actual human beings?
0: Yeah. Pankaj, you have held CEO and president titles. You were promoted into these positions or recruited in these positions. That's very different than taking a blender, which you and your co-founders did at one point, to start and build a company. What's the one thing, if there is one thing, that has surprised you or did you uh, not expect as part of the journey now that you're in year three or four within Sense? I
1: think there are any number of things here, John. <laughs> First of all, I think Sense has been a passion project for all of us. It's It's a journey that four of us were founders of Sense when we started together, our vision literally was we were setting out to change the world with this one. We really hope that by the time we reach a reasonable milestone here, that sense is at least a very household name within the staffing industry. Everybody thinks of us as something that's part of their tech stack or must be part of their tech stack. But I think the thing that has been eye-opening for me has been just the passion that I have seen people have during this journey. I have learned so much from folks who have 15 less years of experience than I do, which has been humbling. Just the idea that you can you can be with a group of five or six smart people, and just the just those people have the ability to create a product that absolutely can change the world. I can tell you this: today we have regular conversations with CEO of com- CEOs of comp- staffing companies that are over billions of dollars in revenue, and they talk to us about how. You know, sense has completely changed their cost structure, how sense has changed the way they go to market, or how, if they're not using us, you know, fully yet, on how their vision is that sense should be used in a hundred different countries. And that's just humbling to hear. We're still a 75 people team. We're still a small group of people. We, you know, are still all friends and people that we hired using references, but it has been unimaginable to see the impact that we are having on the industry. And for me, Personally, I'm super thankful for that because I grew up in this industry. To me, I feel like I'm actually giving something back to this industry. I've always been passionate about making sure that we're getting people jobs, helping them earn a living. But now at the same time, hopefully we are putting more money in the pocket of recruiters, more money in the pocket of contractors, because we are reducing the cost of running your business. Disruptive and changing the world for sure.
2: Pankaj, my favorite question I ask every guest is I have come up with a Wayback machine and I can put you in there and teleport you to the time when you were first starting your career. What one piece of advice do you share with young Pankaj setting out to conquer the world with all the experience and things that you've learned to date as you sit here and talk to me?
1: Yeah, listen, I've had, I've had an atypical career. <laughs> I will tell you this right now. I Like a lot of people back in the time who were graduating around, when I was graduating in India, went into the computer industry. My background was in computer software. And if a turn of events hadn't happened, I would probably just be in computer software today. But I was actually lucky that just three, four years into developing software, I got an opportunity to run a small staffing division that then became a huge staffing company, which led to another company, which led to Sense and what we do today. How... I'll essentially say a couple of things from an advice standpoint, as John asked. The number one thing to me was curiosity and essentially just never stop learning. I was 25 years old when I was essentially had the responsibility for a multi million dollar business unit. And I didn't know much about marketing or competitive intelligence or sales or anything at that point. But what I was simply doing was just learning and absorbing from everybody around me people who worked for me, people who were my peers, people who were my managers, but I literally had to swim into the deep swim in the deep end of the pool rather quickly. So I think curiosity is uh, and just learning is super helpful. And then the second thing I would say is just always have a network of community and a network of mentors. I was probably too late in starting that. looking back at all the help I've gotten from the mentors that I do have now, I feel like if I had that help 10 years ago, I would have been an even stronger version of myself. So that's the other thing that I would recommend everybody. Nowadays, there are hundreds of tools that make it available, that make it easier for you to do that, including LinkedIn. But don't underestimate the value of what a good mentor can do in your life. And then thirdly, just work on something that you are passionate about. Especially in our industry, you will find tons of people who are very passionate about the staffing industry. I love that about our industry. But as long as you're passionate about it, it will obviously mean that you would want to continue learning. It will obviously mean that you will seek knowledge from the best. So it will actually become a virtuous cycle. But as I look back, I absolutely have no complaints. I love what I do right now. And I love what our company is doing to the industry. Those are three very sound pieces of advice, although I
2: would challenge you on the second about networking. I've seen you work trade shows and you could be the mayor of staffing. Uh, last question for you, Pankaj. And let me set this up for our listeners. Pankaj is a foodie. And when I say foodie, talk about passion. He and I have had the good fortune of sharing meals together. He understands food. He doesn't just like food. He understands food. And is, it could it, you could be a critic in your spare time, professional critic. As a foodie, if you had to pick the best restaurant, I said, Pankaj, let's go out to dinner in and around the Bay Area. By any metric or measure that you deem best,
1: what do you choose? A sushi place called Juni.
2: Oh, that didn't take long.
1: Yeah, a sushi place called Juni. By the way, this is a very complicated question for me because (laughs) typically when people ask me this question, I tell them to break this question down by cuisine. Yes. Because then I go, this is the best in this cuisine because it's hard for you to compare an amazing sushi restaurant with an amazing restaurant. Uh I am just fascinated by this place, Juni. They have only 12 people who sit there. You can have an entire meal that lasts two and a half, three hours long without speaking a single word, without having a single piece of conversation with the chef. Yet you see this mastery that they have in every single thing that they serve to you and the passion and the pride that they take in doing that. Yeah, I... Wish I could go to that place over and over again, but but I really hope to visit them again once we are out of this lockdown. When COVID's over, that's where we're heading first, for sure. Absolutely.
2: Listen, really appreciate you making time and sharing your insights, not only about Sense but about the industry at large. Before we go, tell our listeners where they can best connect with you if they're interested on uh, you personally or interested in Sense services.
1: Absolutely, uh, I am super easy to find. So. You can hit us on our website, which is SenseHQ, like headquarters.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Pankaj Jindal, super easy to find under Sense. You're welcome to send me a direct email, Pankaj, just my first name, at SenseHQ.com. And of course, if you're interested in Sense services, if you go to our website, there'll be a form that you can fill out there, takes you less than 15 seconds, and somebody will be in touch with you shortly. Even if you just have a question about the industry and just want to brainstorm on something, we will be more than happy to do that. So, this isn't um, this isn't an advertisement. This isn't a way for us to just sell you some services. We would love to brainstorm ideas. We'd love to just uh, just help be a thought leader if we can. And please follow us on LinkedIn. We put out great content all the time in shapes of case studies, blogs, and. Uh, white papers and whatnot, and webinars. But yeah, please stay connected with us and and hopefully follow us along on what we will do next. Awesome.
0: Pankaj, thank you for being here. Thank you for the partnership with Sense. We appreciate it. Promise me you'll come back in a few quarters time where we can compare notes and maybe we'll do the next recording at, at Juni for, for some sushi. For our listeners, as always, keep the faith, keep grinding, keep safe, and we will see you next time on Hiring You. Thanks,
1: Pankaj. Thank you so much, John. I'll be back anytime.